What's up, guys? Welcome to Good Bad 2, the sequel. This is the show where we have a good time watching bad movies, and then we ask, is it good, bad, or is it just bad? I am John. I'm Danielle. You guys can follow along with the fun on Instagram. We are at The Good Bad Show. We vote there to see which movies we're going to cover this week. It is Batman Forever in the spirit of all things Batman, Snyder Cut, Justice League that is happening this week. Apparently you guys didn't want Superman 4. Why? Which is a goddamn shame. I know, I voted for Superman 4. It was a goddamn shame. I mean, I love <laughs> that we're covering this movie. Um, that's why I put them both up, because I knew it was win-win. But you guys are missing out on Superman 4, I'm telling you. It's too bad. So, um, it's going to have to come back at some point. We're going to shove it down y'all's throats. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're allowed to say that. Anyways, <laughs> go over to Instagram. I don't know what states people are in when they're listening, but in this state, we can say that. <laughs> so. no, in this state, you can't do a goddamn thing <laughs> legally. <laughs> yeah. um, go over to Instagram, follow us at The Good Bad Show. Also, go uh, to iTunes or Spotify or Google or wherever the fuck you get your podcast from and hit subscribe. And then, uh, even if you don't have iTunes, go get an iTunes account. Go leave us a five-star review. And in the review, leave us something to review, and we'll review anything. Yeah, we're going to quit doing this. Y'all got to review us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The bit, yeah, this is a threat. <laughs> this is an ultimatum. Five stars or we're fucking out. <laughs> Um, all right, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about Batman Forever. We're going to pull <laughs> this thing apart thread by thread. We're going to go through the entire plot uh, beat by beat, and then we're going to give you guys some trivia about the movie and our awards, which are our bold statement, our worst line, our best line, who had the worst performance, who was the show stealer, what was the most good bad moment, what was our favorite part, how can we make this a good movie, who's the biggest badass, and is it good, bad, or just bad? Did you say, how can we make this a good movie? Yeah, what would you do to make it a good movie? Like, we like we are now carrying the burden of what these directors did back then. And now the listener has to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what would you do to make this a good movie? Man, these Hot Pocket quality dinners, like, really have some payback down the road don't they <laughs> not that far down the road <laughs> uh, so let's talk about 1995's batman forever which is a long way down the road okay what is your knowledge of this movie you've seen this before i'm yeah i'm sure it's it's one of those movies that you've just seen even if you didn't want to because they got shoved down your throat at some point just kidding. what what is with you today in the throat <laughs> shoving i don't know yeah i'm sure i saw it back in the 90s and it was a it was a great time i mean that honestly i don't remember if i've seen it since then but I feel like it was one of those movies that was just on cable so many times that you don't need to see it again in the past 20 years to remember it. It was definitely a moment in time, right? Like, because it was huge. It, it was big, big business. Well, it was a sequel and it had Jim Carrey in, like, peak Jim Carrey yeah, years. Yeah, in all of his Jim Carreyness and the peak of his power. And then also, I think you're... you're um, casual viewer viewer doesn't know the difference between this movie and batman and robin they think it's the same movie yeah i might have 
done that too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just knew there were bat nipples around. Yeah, like, you that's knew there really, was nips. You knew that it's bat nipples era. Yeah, Ru- rubber well nips and giant cod pieces, one way or the oh, other. God. Yeah, I noticed there are a lot of unnecessary cod pieces and a lot of unnecessary spandexes either creating or covering cod pieces. It was fascinating. Spandexes. Spandai, I'm sorry. So in, in 1995, this movie was my world. So I was I was obsessed with Batman as a child. Cod pieces. I loved the first two movies. I had to see this movie. I loved Jim Carrey from In Living Color. Cod like pieces. there was no part of me that was going to not see this movie. So and it's cod pieces. Go ahead. And it's cod pieces. Go ahead. I'll wait until you're finished. No, I'm just adding cod pieces to everything because of you know that's what you're you were gonna shove them down your throat not me <laughs> it's not me we're talking about here and so i rem- i remember this is one of my most memorable movie theater experiences like my dad dropped me off at the theater i saw this by myself and i remember the feeling of walking out of the theater on cloud nine like oh my god i'm never going to see a better movie than what i just witnessed what were you like 11 or 12 95 i would have been like yeah 11 did did 11, he 12. give you did he give you money for snacks and drinks? No, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, okay. Did you did you have your own snacks and drinks? Like, did you have a giant popcorn and a, and a red vines and no. a, a coke? No. What? No, nothing. What, you just walked in there bare. <laughs> yeah, did it raw? <laughs> you did it raw. <laughs> you just walked in empty-handed and sat down and like kept your hands on the damn armrest the entire yeah, time. I just folded my hands in my lap like a good fucking Christian boy and I watched the movie. What you, what is your deal? What a weirdo. <laughs> I feel like you weren't you weren't you like about to enter your shoplifting phase like could, you didn't lift a big bucket of popcorn. You didn't you didn't bring any sausages in, in your pockets. <laughs> I couldn't get behind the counter. I didn't... Because you're a young boy. <laughs> wasn't tall enough yet. Was, it, was this movie experience, were you missing, like, popcorn and snacks? This is a popcorn movie. No, I, I don't recall. It, the point I was trying to make, <laughs> all right. which you fucking hate my point at all times, whatever my point is, fuck that, <laughs> uh, is that I was, I was literally obsessed with this movie at the time. I bought the soundtrack, and I still remember most of the lyrics to most of the songs because wow. I listened to it, not because I liked the music, but because the CD cover was this movie. Yeah, because you were you were eleven and you listened to a CD one thousand times yeah, a day. But but it wasn't that I liked the music; it was that it was associated with this movie. Right. So I could relive the movie in my headset of my disc man on my way to school. Like you had a disc man. Yeah, I had a disc man. Wow, I never had one. <laughs> Poor. Um. So. Well, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, so things happen. My things my were, my were tough in the mid nineties. My thoughts of the movie have changed, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you might be surprised to find out how they've changed. All right, are you ready to pull this thing apart like taffy yeah. and see what's going on in here? Ew, I guess. So this movie is directed by Joel Schumacher, not Tim Burton. Um, and in doing a little bit of research, we will do a trivia segment, but I'm going to drop in some other stuff here and there. So Batman returns the the second batman movie the tim burton one was associated with mcdonald's they had a like a happy meal deal and because that movie was so dark and so many people were murdered and the penguin was so scary mcdonald's said we're not partnering with another tim burton movie 
Wow. So Tim Burton had to pull out of being the, the director, which he didn't really want to do anyway. Wow. And Joel Schumacher was put in his place to make a bright, shiny, neon, fun, happy Batman movie so that McDonald's would be happy. Jesus. Wow. That's like, holy shit. That deserves its own episode. Right. Like just the story of McDonald. Like, uh, what is that show on Netflix where they kind of dive into some old movies like that? Oh, like, uh, Home Alone? how this was made or whatever. Yeah. So you can kind of trace the line and you go, okay, this movie cost a hundred million dollars to make, which in 95 is fucking enormous. Yeah. But it made 336. Well, I'm sure it did. So you can trace the line why by the time you get to Batman and Robin, Joel Schumacher is going, oh, this big, bright, shiny, neon, blacklight, campy goofiness made triple its money last time. Let's turn it up to 11. This, I mean, campy is the right word yeah. for that movie. This this movie, you can see the seed. Yeah. You like, can... you see the validation, right? But, man, it is, yeah, it's not Batman and Robin. No, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> Which a... we've done uh, about, what, eight, eight months ago or so we did Batman and Robin? I can't remember. We've done it. It's one of my favorite episodes that we've done. It's one of my favorite movies, period. So <laughs> so definitely go back and listen to that if you haven't. For sure. Search, search uh, for Good, Bad, Two the sequel on the internet with yeah. Batman and Robin. Yeah. Go, go find that podcast after you listen to this one. Go, go into the internet. and do, <laughs> Go uh... into... <laughs> If you're uh, interested in the internet, you can also search for our, our episode on hackers, <laughs> in which we also dive into the internet. <laughs> which is basically just a how-to internet, yep. is the movie and the episode. Mm-hmm. If, if you're unfamiliar with the internet, you'll learn it all there. <laughs> okay, speaking of 1995, this movie's credits are the most 1995 shit I have ever seen in my fucking life. You have these neon words that are going whoosh across the screen, (laughs) and it looks like something you would make on an iMac. (laughs) Like, I just pictured a purple computer (laughs) making these credits. And, like, this is... We talk about this so much because we do so many superhero-type movies and, uh, like, comic book-based movies... This is still the era in in comic book movies where the director feels like they need to do something that mimics the comic book page and art. Yeah. With like whooshing and he, super huge graphics and crazy Dutch tilt everything. And, and, and Joel Schumacher was a massive Batman comic book fan growing up. He was born the same year that the comic book came out. He was a huge fan of the 60s show. Tim Burton was not a Batman fan. He was just making a movie. So, so in Joel Schumacher's eyes, all of this is Batman decisions. Tim Burton's like, they got crazy hairs? Yes, sir. I'm in. Yeah. And in certain eras of the comic book, it is. There are really bright, neon, goofy, over-the-top versions of the comic book, just like there are in cartoons and movies. Like, that's the cool thing about Batman is that it fits all of these tones. Yeah. Any, any tone you want to do, Legos, bright, dark, doesn't matter. Batman can fit it. Um, so the first thing that we see is Batman's dick. <laughs> like the very first shot, well, the very first shot is on Batman's codpiece, jammed down your throat. Again, as he stands, come on, man, in hero pose and waits for his neon dildo car <laughs> <laughs> to rise from its platform. Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher was like. I want to do a sequel in my way. So I'm going to plant some seeds in this movie that's going to just make a lot of money 
so that way I can do things even more dick-focused in the sequel <laughs> and point back to key parts of this movie and say, see, yeah. it was fine then. <laughs> Turning it up in the sequel. The the 89 Batmobile is one of, one of the most classic fiction cars there ever was or will be, mm-hmm. right? Like any kind of fiction car show or poster or art is going to have the 89 Batmobile yeah. associated with yeah. it. Joel, Joel Schumacher said, fuck that. I need a light-up dildo car. I need it to have, like, si- blue siren lights down the entire phallic <laughs> front of it. And I need Batman to stand just so that it gives you the implication that he views this as an extension of his dick. This was quite a girthy car, wasn't it? <laughs> it might as well have had veins. <laughs> yeah. uh, and can we talk about it now or later when it drives the wings flap? And I don't think they're supposed to. I didn't even register that. The wings are so flexible on the top of this stupid car, like the bat wings, right? That they protrude from the top. They literally flap. They shake. Are you talking about when Robin was driving it? Uh, I remember seeing it twice and laughing because it's like they're rubber, basically. Like, (laughs) I don't think they're supposed to be movable, but I think that making them rigid would have made the car too heavy or they just didn't have the like the fabrication materials to do it That's properly and which you know would be surprising because the practical practical effects in this movie a lot of them were actually quite good so for for the wings to be flapping either it was intentional and done poorly or it was unintentional and came off as really shoddy work that's so funny. I didn't even I didn't even see that. That's great. Um, we uh, Batman is putting on his codpiece because he has to go stop something that is already in progress as, as the movie begins, which is Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face, and he's stealing stuff. Who cares? Tommy Lee Jones starts off the movie Two Face yes. right away. First right. thing that happens. We have if you don't know the the origin of Harvey Dent, then you don't know what the fuck is going on right now. Yeah, you just know there's a wacko who can't figure things out. He's, he can't decide. You're also thinking to yourself, left or right? Wasn't Harvey Dent Billy D. Williams in the last movie? <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure he was. <laughs> this acid did a real number on him. <laughs> I had a hard time understanding almost everything Tommy Lee Jones says in this movie. Man, I got a real problem with Tommy Lee Jones in this movie. He's, he talks really fast, and he kind of growls everything he's saying, and he's trying to do crazy, which I I, th- I think I like it, I guess, but I, I had a hard time understanding most of his dialogue. He seems way out of his range <clears throat> in doing this. It's not, Okay, here's my theory on this movie, which I'm sure we're going to get into later. I think that somebody scored Jim Carrey. They were like, we got Jim Carrey. He's the biggest thing on the planet right now, even bigger than Batman, which is second as big. Let's let him decide the tone and pace of this movie. And Tommy Lee Jones was like, well, that's not really my style. And they're like, it's, it's fine. You're going to make a lot of money. And they're like, just follow his lead. And so Tommy Lee Jones tried on Jim Carrey's shoes for this movie and couldn't keep up. Like, he got, I don't know, maybe he had to do coke in order to try <laughs> to like keep up with this sort of acting. But it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, this isn't his... If this is his personality, this could be his at-home personality, but not his acting personality. Because it, it didn't... It didn't... Con- like, I wasn't convinced. I've, is what I'm getting I've at. I've always felt that. The same thing that Tommy Lee Jones... You, like, you know how some people will encounter a person with an accent and they'll inadvertently take on the accent? Yep. That's what Tommy Lee Jones is doing in this movie, where he is basically doing a Jim Carrey gag yep. 
almost on accident. So here's a, here's a piece of trivia that I'll give up early. All right. Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey fucking hate each other. They, they, as soon as they started making this movie together, they could not stand one another. Not surprised. Because basically you have like classically trained hard ass actor, actors, actor, man's man. Yeah. And goofiest goof that ever goofed yep. in the same movie. So I, I knew about this even before I looked up the trivia because it's one of my favorite, favorite quotes of anyone ever. It's, what? like, up there with, like, fucking Aristotle or some shit. <laughs> Aristotle so, or some shit. This is where we are, ladies and gentlemen. Go ahead and dock a This star is some real Socrates shit I'm about to say. <laughs> Enough with the hyperbole. <laughs> so, Jim Carrey wanted to extend, like, an olive branch to Tommy Lee Jones after the movie. And so he went to go just, like, talk to him. And Tommy Lee Jones stood up. This is according to Jim Carrey. Stood up, hugged Jim Carrey, and said, I hate you. I really, really dislike you. And Jim Carrey said, then why are you doing this? And he said, I just can't sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. That, that is excellent. I See, remember hearing that line like a long, long time ago and it stuck with me. I just can't sanction your buffoonery man that's what happens when you take somebody from texas or similar and put them through school <laughs> they come yeah. away with sayings like that yeah <laughs> and so so it. tommy lee jones is is two-faced who is half real estate agent and half pimp <laughs> in this movie yeah and uh whatever he's got some kind of crime going on and batman comes swooping in which makes nicole kidman fucking wet the first the first time you see her is because she's horny as shit for batman well somebody's (laughs) got to do it which completely discredits her professionally why she she's a criminal psychologist and there's a guy that dresses up like a bat to beat the shit out of villains in the middle of the night who's clearly out of his mind and she's like oh yeah i don't know perks of the job (laughs) seems good to me Maybe she studied criminal psychology so she could get close to Batman. You don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe she just picked it up like in the last year. Yeah, she wants crazy person dick, evidently. Well, it's um, a good time. Yeah. Uh, Batman like swoops in. He has a fight with a bunch of the henchmen. The fighting scenes in this movie, the like Batman versus group of henchmen fight scenes, are good. In comparison to the movies before this, yeah. like he, the 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 stuntman or whoever actually has enough range of motion to pull off some like <laughs> pretty solid like uh, fight scenes, like kung fu or whatever. Uh, Batman gets trapped in a safe which is filled with acid. This is the acid safe, right? The this acid is where you safe. Keep your acid. Yep. Your um, liquid acid, not your drug acid. Yeah. He, he, the, buckle up, folks, because every single second of this movie is worth writing down. We'll try to get through the plot like somewhat quickly, but I think we could do four or five episodes on this movie and never get to every detail. Oh boy! Like it is f- every fucking sentence, every frame of this movie is lunacy. There's a lot going it's on. It's fucking lunacy. So he gets out the helicopter that Two Faces in crashes into Gotham's statue of liberty yeah <laughs> not that other one yeah not the other one <laughs> not it, the, it, 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 they make sure you know because it has gotham written on it <laughs> on the forehead it literally has it stamped on the forehead yep. <laughs> um and then the um helicopter the helicopter crashes or no it gets away i don't know it really doesn't fucking matter i don't i, I think there's multiple helicopters i think one crashes one gets away yeah one of them they have to lock up 
and they do the club gag from the 90s. Oh, that's the, right. They put the club on it. Yeah. On the, on the uh, steering wheel? Yeah, the steering wheel of the helicopter of the gets helicopter. the club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Two-Face gets away. And then Bruce Wayne, who uh, we haven't talked about, is Val Kilmer now. Right. Um, because Michael Keaton didn't want to play anymore. So now we get Val Kilmer. Well... If Big McDonald's is out, <laughs> and, Michael and, Keaton ain't playing. Yeah, and and um, Tim Burton is out, then obviously Michael Keaton is out. Who is reportedly coming back mm-hmm. um, in the next Flash movie. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Jim Carrey is Edward Nigma, mm-hmm. who works for Wayne Tech, Wayne Corp, Wayne yeah. whatever, and is already nuts. Oh yeah, he started off nuts. Yeah, they make him. They make him start off as kind of like, um, uh, I don't know, some kind of a, a young mad scientist. I guess you could yeah. say. Who has brown hair in this scene, <laughs> by the way, and he has a Riddler bobblehead on his desk. Yep. Like in his world, the Riddler is already a thing. It's like a character. Not only is it a thing, but he's obsessed with it. Yeah. Obsessed. Yeah, and like. I, I, I don't like that decision. I don't like yeah. the idea that this... If he has these bobbleheads and machines and toys, then everyone knows this look. And then you just ripped off a thing that already exists. Well, like, everything about this movie is heavy-handed, right? Like, you can be an 11-year-old going to the movies by yourself without red vines and popcorn <laughs> and get this movie. I'm a you can guy. understand who you are. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this whole movie is super heavy-handed, so they, they make sure to plant that idea of this c- totally out of context Riddler bobby, bobblehead in a lab setting. Yeah. And so basically, Jim Carrey explains to Batman, or to, to Bruce Wayne, I invented a brain reading machine. And Bruce Wayne's like, brain reading machine? Yeah, I don't think so. And for those reasons, I'm out. <laughs> but Ed, uh, Jim Carrey's character is obsessed with Bruce Wayne, obsessed, like stalker obsessed, like yeah, true, not, a true stand. Not with Batman, but with Bruce Wayne. True he has stand. like magazines all over yeah. his, his work area. Like, yeah, he's, and then later on in the movie, he gets like the same haircut and mole and glasses. Yeah. Which <laughs> <laughs> is really funny. Uh, so while they're talking, the bat signal goes up. So Bruce Wayne has to run to his office where he has a portal to the bat cave, which mm-hmm. is kind of fucking rad. Yeah. Like there's a hole under his desk, which is <laughs> under his chair, <laughs> obvious as shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he gets in a little pod and it shoots him down to the, uh, to the bat cave where he puts on his fucking cod piece, um, with, and his bat suit with nipples. Yeah. So this is the debut of the, of the bat nips. Yeah. Not which, necessary. Which Joel Schumacher attributes to uh, statues of Greek gods. Yeah, but those statues weren't wearing costumes. Yeah, and all so... like also like coward, take it all the way. Give him a little tiny penis. Also, <laughs> <laughs> coward. <laughs> so he he runs to the bat signal, but it was uh, Nicole Kidman who turned it on. Yes. Because she's turned on. You see the metaphor there. Yeah, I get it. I get it. She's like, my bat signal's on. Yeah, so so she was like, I was just turned it on for a dick appointment. I thought that's how this thing works. But she gets cock-blocked cock by Gordon, who shows up in his pajamas as if he sleeps there. Yeah, he's like sleeping in the attic. <laughs> he's like, what's going on? And she's like, God 
damn it. <laughs> and <laughs> Batman, who's virtuous at this point, is like, I'm not just going to bang random doctors right in front of the fucking bat signal, so he <laughs> leaves. Uh... Oh, oh! This is where this is where Jim Carrey captures, like, kidnaps his boss, and uses yes. the brain reader on him. This scene is the craziest shit in any movie we have ever done. This shit is wacky. This, this shit is. It is so insane, over the top. Yep. And which is funny because Jim Carrey has a line later on where he says, "Was that over the top? I can't tell," because he's pretty self-aware. Mm-hmm. This is like. You hire Jim Carrey because you want him at a 10. He go- he goes up to like 36 here. He's like doing show tunes and singing. Like he is, there are no checks and balances on I, him. I think this was an era of Jim Carrey. So you mentioned earlier that he had power, which I think was the right word for this movie. Because I, I think that when you hire Jim Carrey in 1995 you build your movie around what Jim Carrey wants to do. Mm -hmm. So you've got him in this scene where he's doing show tunes and he's going crazy and he's doing every like, you know, rubber face move that he's got. And then the, the, uh, the other actor here who is a scientist is playing along, right? As he has to, because that's what this machine is doing. That guy was great also because he was over the top as well. Yeah. Both over the top. Like they're doing stuff that you wouldn't typically see in a big blockbuster movie. But it's it's to the point where now watching it in 2021, it I don't know how to explain like it. It's not that it loses its luster. It's just that you're you're aware of the career of Jim Carrey at this point. And it's a kind of humor that's no longer novel. Like you've lived in this era for a long time and and the entire history after it. And so it's it's almost like awkward. I think what you're saying is you can't sanction his buffoonery. (laughs) (laughs) If only I was that succinct. I wish I was. I don't have that skill. It it is a weird thing to go back and look. So, so wholesale, I love Jim Carrey, right? Like I love In Living Color. I love the Ace Ventura movies, Dumb and Dumber. He has, he has a big library of stuff that I still to this day enjoy. He's a really the, fascinating human. The library of stuff on the other side of the coin is much, much larger because he is so over the top. And I wouldn't go as far as to call him a hack, but he had his moment in time and it's past. It's past. And he's that not, version of him is past. He's not a Will Ferrell or Mike Myers type who can write it, direct it, produce it, create real drama stuff, right? He Mm -hmm. can do the acting, stand in front of the camera, show up, do that, and do it well, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take that guy who just does the one thing really well and give him ultimate improv, Mm -hmm. say, do as you please, this is what you end up with, which was great in 95, but does not hold water. Well, no, it's like, it's kind of like you've got, you've got a rocket ship flying and you've attached everything to that rocket ship and you're trying to attach like... A plot and other characters acting around it as it's flying like it is it has taken off and you're like okay how, how do we build its landing gear as this rocket ship is already flying yeah because now <laughs> rocket ships land again <laughs> that that scene is pretty much must see though for what all sorts of reasons him him kidnapping the boss is fucking bananas yeah it is um well, and then so during this he somehow he somehow is able to fake 
the video and show that this was a suicide. Like the boss, instead of being killed or oh, yeah. happened, he totally ran unexplained. out the window. Totally unexplained how he managed to manufacture that fake video. Yeah, how, what? Yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, he faked the video. Showing, showing like, closed-circuit TV of the boss jumping out the window by himself. Yeah. What? Um, the, the, there's also... I forget where this scene comes in because, like I said, this movie's so fucking all over the place. But there's a moment where someone is watching the video of what happened to Harvey Dent to turn him into Two Face, mm -hmm. and it is cinematic courtroom movie with like multiple angles and like a, a um, glory shot of Batman jumping over the juror's box to save him. <laughs> like, I was like, wow, they really put some fucking effort into filming this random courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and then there's also, uh, there, this is kind of just montage, just bouncing around right now. Uh, Jim Carrey goes home to his house filled with Riddler shit. And the song that is playing took me right back to 1995. Like, I, that was one of the songs I actually enjoyed off of the soundtrack. What was it? It's, I can't remember the name of it. It's never existed other than within this what? movie and the soundtrack. But the lyrics are talking about the literal instance that's going on. Like, he walks through the door and it goes, So you hate your boss at your job? And then it talks about killing him. Hmm. <laughs> and I was like... Interesting. I see. Interesting. A little chicken and egg scenario there. <laughs> uh, he left a riddle for, for Batman, so Batman has to take the riddle to criminal psychologist professional uh, Nicole Kidman, who is um, boxing, and he hears that she's in distress. I thought she was getting fucked. And, That's what it sounded like to me. And he busts the door down to find her kickboxing embarrassing moment for Mr. Wayne. Yep. So... The reason that that's in this movie is because Nicole Kidman had, at that moment in time, had a passion for kickboxing. So Joel Schumacher said, let's put it in the movie. They did that whole thing which was not in the script simply because one of the actors had an interest in kickboxing. That's... And that's what you get from Joel Schumacher. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So so basically what's going on here, I don't know if you picked this up because it, <laughs> you don't you don't try to nitpick the movies as hard as I do. So basically this man who she's unaware is Batman. She doesn't know he's a badass, right? right? She just thinks he's a rich fucking nerd. Yep. Shows up nerd. and goes uh, a murderer left a threat in the form of a riddle on at my work and again at my house. Yes. That's what he's telling her. Yep. And she's nonplussed by that. <laughs> she's annoyed that he broke her door. <laughs> she works for the Gotham Police Department. Yeah, he goes to City Hall to see her. And she could give a fuck less that this murderer is threatening the most important man in the city. She's got bat dick on the brain. <laughs> she can't be bothered with nerds. <laughs> and uh, he tells her, we got to get you out of those clothes. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, what? And he's like, an into a little black dress. Yeah. And I was like, well, that was a bold move. Yeah, he's like, I came here because there's a stalker threatening me, but hey, do you want to go on a date, babe? Yeah, both of them couldn't really care less about the threats from a murderer. No. So, obviously, Gotham City, you know, you got a lot of money. Where are you going to take your date? 
the high-end circus. To the fucking high-end circus. Where else are you going to go? <laughs> I want to go to this this land. Yeah, the rich circus. Except for circus. the stabby bits. Like, I don't want to go down the stabby alleys, but I'll go to the other good parts. I'll yeah. go to the galas parts. Gotham's the best fictional place. Yeah, it's Like, it's great. got all your bases covered. I don't care what you're into. <laughs> they got it. They got pastrami's. Yeah. They got bagels. They got pizzas. Yeah. So, so the if you're a comic book fan and you're a you're a, a Robin fan and you like his origin, this is pretty close to his origin. Like the flying Graysons and what they're wearing, which is basically Robin's costume from the comic books and all that, is pretty fucking cool. And the costume. Okay, here's what bugged me about this scene. Um, there's a variety of. Okay, so they're wearing head to toe spandex, right? Like neck down to arms well they have like spandex and polo shirt which is basically the the robin costume but they don't because it's spandex sewn to look like it's multiple pieces and so there's a variety of options for the men and like sometimes it's a thong sometimes it's a sewn on cod piece sometimes it's just pants it's it was so distracting carry on let's talk about the movie so bits. so they're they're doing their routine right they're flying <laughs> flying around doing flying grace and stuff uh meanwhile bruce is trying to shoot his shot with nicole kidman and he wants to set up date number two while yeah. you're on date number one which is a classic move right supposed to. and he says oh i'm going rock climbing do you want to go and her response is i can't i've met someone yeah, i'm like why are you on this date <laughs> In reference to Batman. So basically, this fucking bitch was Aww. like, was like, yeah, I've already met somebody, but the circus sounds awesome. So I'm definitely going to lead this guy on. Rock climbing? No, thank you. I've met someone. No. Nope. Fuck you, lady. Stop. Here's how it goes. <laughs> she was like, all right, I've got bat dick on the brain, but here's this other guy <laughs> open and taking me out somewhere. Let's see how this goes. I don't know how realistic is, is Batman, but, you know, I'll try this other guy. She's sitting here in, a, in an evening gown at the circus. <laughs> at the circus. And he's like, hey, babe, you want to go do something else with me at my decision? And she's like, hell no. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's stupid. You wasted my time. I met somebody. And yeah. he ain't you. <laughs> You're Nicole. That's what happened. Your Nicole Kidman impersonation is fucking it's spot on, un- by the way. uncanny. It's spot on. She, she hides the accent in, this mo- in these movies. But uh, this is what happened. She... She did not like what he had to put on the table. I, I, that's plausible. And she decided that after she accepted the date and went to the circus. No. So. Not going. Uh, Two-Face shows up because he's trying to flush out Batman. He right. wants, his whole motive is to murder Batman. So he plans a bomb. He's going to kill everybody in the next two minutes unless Batman shows up. Right. Right. Which prompts Bruce Wayne to stand up and scream out, I'm Batman. Yeah. But the noise is so loud that that Harvey can't hear him. Classic movie moment. You would presume that everyone standing right next to him, including Nicole Kidman, would have heard that. You would think so. She's primed for Batman. (laughs) Yeah, she would be like, I'm sorry, did you say Batman? What now? (laughs) Uh, Rock climbing? Sounds great. Um... And then uh, uh, Bruce Wayne has to fight a bunch of thugs, which isn't yep. something you get to see very often. Meanwhile, 
Dick Grayson has taken the bomb because he just is inherently a hero and he gets rid of the bomb. Meanwhile, his whole family is murdered, leaving an orphaned 28-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question about that. How old is he supposed to be in this movie? I don't, I don't know how old he's supposed to be because they don't say it, but he was 25 in reality. I was, I'm guessing he was like 17 in, in the... the actor i mean sorry the character is supposed to be like 17 i i I guess i could sort of believe that uh, to be honest i don't really like robin as a character and i never have i don't i don't want i don't want batman to have a child not for any like weird reasons i'm like you know that's low-hanging fruit but i just don't i want batman to fly solo it's just it's just more fun that way and then uh chris o'donnell's portrayal of robin has always been something that i don't enjoy it's he, a bit petulant he's such a drag yeah he's no, he really is just a fucking drag well, not only that but he he inserts himself in all these situations where like it just so happens that he's convenient at certain times in order to maintain that he should be in these situations yeah but it's really annoying like you don't get to go to batman's cave and be like sup boom coming with you like what why you can't have the bat boat yeah get he, out of here he's he shows he he gets dropped off at Wayne Manor by Commissioner Gordon, and I'm like, this motherfucker has been an adult for ten years. Like he's <laughs> legally been an adult for like ten years. Why are you dropping him off somewhere? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think he was supposed to be like seventeen. I get even yeah. well because he had uh one earring and long sideburns. You see. Therefore, right. he was a young. Right. Apparently, <laughs> he was a kid's. Apparently, there was a mild amount of controversy surrounding the nipples on the suits in conjunction with uh, Robin having one earring and Joel Schumacher being an outwardly or, a, or a uncloseted homosexual man. Everyone thought that that was some sort of statement by him. And he was like, Nope, just it's the nineties. Also, so, so what if it was? But like, it, but people were weird. People about, weren't ready for that in the nineties. No, 90s. people were so weird about homosexuality back then. It's like there was always like if you were if you were a homosexual, there was always like a vendetta to claim straights for your world. Yeah, and, like, like you're recruiting. Them. Yeah, like <laughs> so, you were gonna take them or something. There was there was like a really weird possession. Like this, a fear of possession. Back this then. version of Robin was just destined to not be something that people accepted. I just didn't like it. Like yeah, I didn't, it's just I didn't not like him being there. He's he's actively annoying. That's yeah. like the idea is that he's actively annoying, but he's also heroic and and beats the shit out of his laundry. <laughs> <laughs> kicks his laundry's ass (laughs) speaking of versions of characters i I do like this version of alfred a lot oh alfred's amazing this era of alfred is a good era alfred and commissioner gordon are the only actors that went through all four movies yeah um so that uh he's gonna leave right he's like i don't i'm i'm fucking upset at the world and i'm not gonna i'm leaving and he gets totally reverse psychologized with motorcycles and burgers because evidently he's a total (laughs) moron he's like hang on now well he is a he is a young boy you see yeah (laughs) all it takes is some hot bikes and some some uh, that was a good looking burger. It had some onion rings. Yeah, it was. He had onion rings perched just so I'm not, on the top, like a magazine. I'm not even gonna lie. That burger in this movie is the reason why I was craving burgers, and we went and got some yesterday. Yo, but hey, those burgers were really good too. They were. Like that was 
That was a movie burger we had. Yeah, that was good. That was real nice. Um, there's a there's a moment here where uh, Bruce Wayne spots a picture of his parents in the in the mansion, and it sends him on like a flashback of his parents' murder, which is in the contract of any Batman property. You have to have the flashback. <sighs> so tired of these flashbacks oh in in the grand scheme of things i'm really fatigued on it but this was a quality one had to happen um the way that the way that he comes out of it and he's still kind of in a daze and alfred's like really concerned for him and he says i killed them Mm -hmm. and alfred's like what did you just say and he's like he killed them and he's like no you said i killed them Mm -hmm. the way that they dive into bruce wayne's trauma in this movie this movie has no business handling things that heavy that that well. Yeah, I thought so too. It was it was really interesting that they chose to go down that route and it was coherent. Yeah, they, like this it's not quite campy yet, but this like bright movie doesn't have any business doing such a good job of handling Bruce Wayne's trauma. Right. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking stark difference it, from everything well, else. And that's, like, it's interesting because maybe there is something left on the cutting room floor because, like, having Nicole Kidman's character there to analyze whack jobs. Yeah. Right? Like, she's as a... She she's calls a, them. See, as she calls them. As she calls them, which <laughs> I'm sure that isn't a way to refer to your clients. She's not potential good at her clients. job. <laughs> no, she's really not. But that's my point. Like, having, having her there, but then totally failing at her job of analyzing the psyches of these criminals would lead you to believe that there is a, there is a through line of her also needing to analyze Bruce Wayne's backstory. And so you would see you would see scenes in this movie of his backstory so you have an idea of what that is but it, the two didn't come to well, <laughs> uh, the 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 uh, two storylines ah, yes. did not quite um <laughs> swim in unison <laughs> in this movie you know like the the batman storyline was held up yeah. but the other storylines of of her needing to analyze these criminal character psyches and the criminal character psyches being explained with the same amount of attention to detail as the Batman one didn't didn't happen, so half of that story stood up well. The other half didn't fell off the track. So to your point, Batman goes <laughs> goes on like playing? a like a PTSD uh, like flashback of his parents dying. It's a really really good scene where Alfred's <laughs> the one that pulls him out of it. Hard cut to Batman driving his glitter dildo down the road and and uh, <laughs> fucking Two-Face pulls off the old lady who's actually a villain gag and now we're having a car chase scene for no reason at all. Nothing prompted this. Well, it's only because someone's like, well, Two-Face has to have some hot rods. <laughs> and we're going to build these hot rods. So they and have, they're like, we're going to put them somewhere. <laughs> yeah, they have a chase scene. Batmobile drives up a wall that is just selling toys. That's that's all that scene was there for was to sell the Batmobile can drive up a wall toy. This this version this scene with the Batmobile definitely has flappy wings. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it is I wrote it down. It is a flappy Batmobile. Um you get you get to see uh Two-Face's lair yeah. which is um what the fuck is the guy Christopher Walken's lair from the previous movie <laughs> and we're just gonna sneak that by us and act like we didn't notice I noticed motherfuckers <laughs> uh, he has two villain villain sidekick hoes one of which is Drew Barrymore yeah which she in 1995 she was way above this 
already, mm-hmm. right? Like, she's already very, very... She was famous when she was 12. Well, yeah. Like, maybe she had, you know, was in the middle of her drug days and people didn't want to deal with her or something, but maybe I was like... Maybe she was like, I just want to make some money, because She was shit. way too big of a deal to be doing this small-time crap. I mean, the movie isn't small-time, but that role is. Kind of, I mean, yeah, kind of. Like, she... What is this, two years away from Charlie's Angels? Well, I think there are so many characters in this movie that anybody who's not Batman or Nicole Kidman, or Jim Carrey, or Tommy Lee Jones, right? Like, yeah. there's there's, there's so many main characters in this movie that it's hard to get that kind of real estate, even right. if you're Drew Barrymore. I guess so. Uh, Riddler shows up at his lair, and he says, Yo, I got these blenders that you stick to your face, <laughs> and I can kill Batman. They got macaronis and, in them. And Two-Face is like, that sounds good to me. So then you get like a 10-minute seemingly 10 minute yeah. montage of them just robbing and creating mayhem took forever um just putting blenders fucking everywhere <laughs> uh and then meanwhile dick grayson robin is trying to figure out what is behind door number two yes so he plots to like distract alfred and then he's gonna spider-man down the walls and he gets into the bat cave when he gets into the bat cave there's a big alert that says like intruder alert and apparently the protocol for an intruder is turn on all the power to all the computers bring all the bat suits out from their closets raise all the vehicles up for access mm-hmm. when there's an intruder the protocol is make everything available yeah i thought the same thing <laughs> this is the this is the worst intruder alert i've ever ever heard make of. it make it all real easy to steal hey adt you're doing it wrong <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, this is bruce wayne i'd like to cancel my service <laughs> um the the so he takes the batmobile out for a joyride to the district of black lights Dude, that was so rad. It looks really, really cool. Laser and like tag fun. alley. Yeah, laser tag alley. <laughs> it looks like cool and fun. Um, it just doesn't feel like Batman. It doesn't have anything to do with Batman to me. But so what's going on is uh, the. I good... think it has to do with the mid nineties, though. Yeah, it does. What 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 he what he encounters is the good bad to the sequel contractual obligation of stopping a rape. Ugh, yeah. I don't think we've ever covered a movie. Where there wasn't an attempted rape. And it was the same uh, punk rapists from Howard the Duck. Yep, yep. It, it, was the same, it was the same scene, just filmed with a different camera. Yep. Like, they're like, all right, Howard, you're done. All right, clear the scene. All right, rapists, come back. Bring in the new girl. Get four more rapists in here. All right, uh, O'Donnell. Chris, come on. Here we go. And? <laughs> so, so, this land that he is in is... Neon. <laughs> neon, it's nothing but punks and murderers everywhere. It's awesome. Face paint. Before There's it. absolutely not one square inch of this area that you can see that isn't like neon apocalypse. For it. The girl is from from Clueless. She's <laughs> like a totally standard suburban, regular, nice white girl that she like kisses Robin and runs away. Like, what the fuck was she doing there? Well like, no, she was dragged there. She was taken from how her. far away? Well, she was just around the. This is Gotham. You go out. <laughs> you go out for a nice, normal pastrami, and then you get drugged down Laser Tag Alley. I I don't think Rodeo Drive and uh, 
Laser Tag Alley in Gotham City are, I think they're on s- s- separate coasts, and that's clearly where she came from. <laughs> You've never been to Gotham. That's not how Laser Tag Alley works. <laughs> uh, Batman shows up. They all peace out, because Batman's actually a threat, yep. and Robin is not. Not. <laughs> and... Uh, they go back to the fucking Batcave and Robin's like, help me kill Two-Face. And Val Kilmer, Bruce Wayne, has to be like, no. I really enjoyed all of the scenes between the two of them that took place in the Batcave. Those felt like classic Batman-Robin interactions to me. Where Robin is like, you know, rushing into things foolhardy. And Bruce Wayne is like the most overbearing father imaginable. (laughs) Who everything is by his rules or they don't happen at all. And it's when it's concerning, no, you can't kill someone. These are like heavy conversations. And these scenes, which felt like they were probably all filmed at the same time, because they were in the same location, but they were spread out throughout the movie, had the weight of those conversations in the comic books. So that's another thing that just doesn't... It's too good compared to the rest of the neon shit that happens outside of there. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's like, oh, that's the stuff I love about Batman. And then it would be hard cut to some neon over-the-top bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, okay, we're back to this again. Yep. So, Enigma uh, has a convention. <laughs> the Riddler has, like, Riddler, Riddler Fest. Yeah, he had a, a gala. Yeah, where he's showing off his blenders. And Bruce Wayne shows up, and this was when he was like imitating him, and it was he's like, "How's Slap my chop? <laughs> You're gonna love my nuts." <laughs> uh, and uh, Two Face takes it upon himself to interrupt this and ruin everything, and fucking fights ensue. Uh, it 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 he tried. It happens. He's just trying to kill Batman and Riddler. Be damned. There's a pretty cool moment here where he throws like a fire grenade bomb on batman and batman uses his cape to shield himself oh yeah and walks out of it this version of batman in this movie is the uh the most criticized version of batman where he has he has everything for every scenario scenarios he couldn't have possibly anticipated Mm -hmm. he's got what he needs for that scenario Mm -hmm. in in the 1966 batman there's this classic scene where he's hanging from a ladder over the ocean and a shark jumps up and grabs his leg and he reaches into his bat belt and he pulls out a can of shark spray and sprays the shark. This version of this it. movie is not that far off. Yeah. It doesn't matter the scenario. He's prepared for it. Oh, yeah. That utility belt is yeah. deep. And any, anyone who doesn't like Batman, that's their critique of it. And th- this is that like to a T and I fucking love it. Who the hell is wasting their time watching Batman a comic book character and then critiquing how realistic it is you <laughs> that's no way to are, live are you unfamiliar with comic book nerds there, and that's no way to live star wars fans there's, and there's the outdoors to experience yeah there's trees and sunshine <laughs> so stars. after after this whole stressful uh thing where he gets covered in gravel and robin has to save him blah 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 he's he's got a lot of stress built up that he that you know there's only so many ways to relieve stress <laughs> so he goes unannounced to nicole kidman's house in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and wakes her up where she is essentially naked she's just wearing like a silk robe and nothing mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. and he goes he batman not bruce wayne batman shows up for a booty call yep and she tells him no thanks I'm I'm with someone else. And that's somebody else. And then you get the classic Batman, which is now a meme, of him turning and <laughs> smiling to camera. He's like, 
I can wait. <laughs> and then that still image has been taken and the internet has run with it. Um, <laughs> and then I think we start getting towards the towards the end here, hopefully. <laughs> um, I'm going to just fast forward to the end. Yeah, go for it. Because holy fucking There's shit. There's a lot. Um, what, how, do, how do they end up in in two faces lair or i mean the riddler's uh, lair mm. oh they they get into the they oh, get in they get into the mansion yeah uh, they, they get into the mansion they blow everything up there are trick-or-treaters mm-hmm. at wayne manor which is seemingly very remote yeah i was wondering about that too. <laughs> it seems very remote and there's trick-or-treaters two-face and riddler get in they blow up the whole thing which uh makes jim carrey yell out joygasm joygasm is the line like in it. this movie i didn't like it um and then they end up uh having to put on their new cool silver suit with nipples um and <laughs> they take the bat plane and bat boat yeah which get a lot of fanfare and get exploded immediately right away because you got to sell those toys that was a penis boat by the way that was a penis that boat was a for penis sure boat there's no question yeah there go- no question uh, they they end up uh, in a scenario where Batman has to choose between saving either Robin or uh, Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He comes up with a plan to save them both. Yep. He like jumps down the tunnel, saves yeah, both would. of them. That was a good scene, actually. Yeah, the, quite... the whole ending is really good. There was there was yeah we're like, we're we're brushing over it, but we don't have to redo the ending. Just yeah. go watch it. Yeah, just go. Yeah, it's just <laughs> <laughs> he, so he kills Two Face and he captures uh fucking jim carrey who again it, it, it doesn't need to be like hammered but he is just completely over the top he's this extra whole time. if you've seen the movie you know <laughs> like and he ends up in arkham he thinks he's batman um and then um he's you definitely get, a wacko you get your u2 music with the credits and the movie's over now there is not any kiss from a rose that's right which is famous because of this movie yep and isn't in this movie. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's because, not in the movie. Oh my God, I'm having a flashback now. I remember going to watch this movie because of that song with my other fourth grade girlfriends. And we we were so upset because we went to go see this movie largely because of this song. I don't know why we would make the correlation that because this song was attributed to this movie we would love this movie but we did like we felt the feels for that song so we went to go see this movie and that song was nowhere and i remember us sitting through the credits in the movie theater just looking at each other like is it going to come next and we're like is there another scene where this song is going to come and something's going to happen nope that was me last night I was sitting here going, when do I, I had my pen ready to make a note about the song and the song never happened. Yeah. It doesn't happen in this movie. I, I never noticed that happen. until now. I remember be- feeling so jilted by Hollywood because of that. I, I had already a take prepared for the podcast, for my notes of that song doesn't, the, the romance between Kidman and Kilmer doesn't deserve that song. And I didn't get to put it in because the song isn't in the movie did you happen to find any so you did the trivia this time did you happen to find any trivia of why that song isn't actually in this movie nope nothing why nothing <laughs> I, maybe this was just a an, an amazing like like pr coup by seal's agent at the time where they're like oh this is this is the batman song and he's like it's not really a batman 
<laughs> but we're going to tell everyone it is, and they're going to run with it. Yeah, I don't know. Incredible. All right, let's take a break, and then we'll do our trivias and our awards. All right, all right, all right, all right. Are we ready for some trivia before we get into our awards the trivia is fucking deep uh, on this one um a lot of the trivia was basically just anyone who was even mildly famous in 1995 auditioned for a role in this movie like everybody was considered for batman for robin for for harvey dent for like so so just look that stuff up on your own because i'm not going to get into that too much well that explains why drew barrymore was a like the, a bit part basically. i guess yeah so but there is a lot of really good trivia also so one thing is that uh jim carrey had the great idea to shave a question mark into his head do you want to know why that didn't happen tell me because he was beginning his divorce proceedings. Oh. <laughs> so that would be a bad look. Yeah, that would not. Well, but also, like, what kind of judge would be like, I'm sorry, Jim Carrey, I've never heard of you. I don't know. I don't, right, I'm, yeah. I'm not familiar with your brand, well, the, sir. The, the theory on Jim Carrey is that he's bananas and he shows up to court with a question mark shaved in his head. You're like, <laughs> yeah, sorry, bud. You have to pay out, you whack job. <laughs> Uh, Nicole Kidman said so. <laughs> so in Batman and Batman Returns, Billy D. Williams plays Harvey Dent with the intention of eventually becoming Two-Face. He had it written into his contract that if he didn't get to play it, that they had to buy him out. Good for him. So they, Joel Schumacher wanted someone else so badly that they paid Billy D. Williams to not be Two-Face. Wow. They, they bought out that right in his contract. So did he have some foresight or his agent had some foresight of like, you're not going to like him, but let's charge him anyway. I don't, he, he must have a really good agent to have that, have that in his contract. Wow. The role of the Riddler was offered to Robin Williams. Uh, like I said, I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about who didn't play these characters, but this one is interesting because Robin Williams turned down the role because he was bitter about the fact that he was offered the Joker in 1989 only to be bait to get Jack Nicholson to do it. <gasps> so he didn't want to get screwed over by Batman for a second time in his Good words. for him. Well, I'm glad he wasn't in this movie. Yep. I'm really glad. Yeah. Um, the next handful of trivias kind of have a little bit of a, a connection with each other. Michael Keaton left this movie because he did not like the creative direction of Joel Schumacher, which makes a lot of sense. Val Kilmer and Joel Schumacher clashed during this whole movie, and Val Kilmer did not speak to Schumacher for a solid two weeks. What? <laughs> yep. And Leonardo DiCaprio turned down the role of Robin. Why? didn't like joel schumacher wow so you can kind of see a trend here yeah what the heck um that joel schumacher not the most popular director in town um so uh nicole kidman who is in this movie as chase meridian a character that didn't exist previous to this movie that role was initially renee russo but it was determined that she was too old in comparison to val kilmer for that romance to work because she's six years older than Val Kilmer is. So instead, the role went to Nicole Kidman, who is seven years younger than Val Kilmer in the double standard news. <laughs> uh, Val Kilmer was making this movie and Heat 
at the same time. Whoa. So huge 1995 for Val Kilmer. Yeah. Like, like an iconic role in Jeez, Heat. Jeez, good for him. Right? Like, that's crazy. Um, and then and then lastly, with the one I already gave away, Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey hated each other because Tommy Lee Jones could not sanction his buffoonery. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> that is, that is, I feel like we should get that quote like laser engraved on a piece of wood and hang it somewhere <laughs> in our house. I don't know. Or maybe we should make fortune cookies and that's what the fortunes say. Like maybe we should have business cards that we hand out to people that we don't get along with or something. <laughs> like here's my card. You turn on your heel and leave. <laughs> I, feel, I feel the need to use this phrase in my daily life in some way or another, at least have it at hand when needed. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, well, that was some pretty good trivia. I think that it is time to get into our awards, though. Absolutely. I think so. Um, let's start out with uh, your bold statement on this movie. Okay, so before I give you my bold statement, Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne and Batman. So when, it, when you're like ranking or judging or critiquing someone who's a new Batman, you have to look at them as the actor who plays Bruce Wayne and the actor that plays Batman, mm -hmm. right? Because it's from the actor's point of view, it's two separate things. At least it, it should be. Mm -hmm. I thought Val Kilmer was a really good at both. This isn't a this isn't a classically good movie, but it's not because of Val Kilmer. Yeah. I thought he was a really good Bruce Wayne. The, the stuff about his trauma was like better than this movie had any right to be. And the Batman stuff was fine, mm -hmm. right? Like the fighting was fine and all that kind of stuff. So my bold statement is George Clooney is still the only bad batman oh no. he's the only one he's the only of bad any, any batman iteration yeah wow yeah he's the only bad one wow <laughs> so sorry george you suck <laughs> you suck wow um my <laughs> my bold statement for this movie <laughs> is that <laughs> 1995 was an era where you you couldn't safely be outwardly homosexual in Hollywood, but you could create a movie where your sexual fetishes are baked into pop culture. <laughs> because of because of these these Batman movies and like Catwoman and all of this era of like this like six or seven era like years of Batmans and stuff. The things that I now see as like um, like fetish wear, like pleather and vinyl and spandex and like just these specific things from that era in that design, you can draw so many lines back to various Batman movies. <laughs> you really can, and I'm fine with it. I think it's really fascinating. Like Gotham sounds like a kinky, crazy place to be. <laughs> I bet you. But this movie had it on full display. It was I amazing. I bet you somewhere. There is an underground sex party where once a year they do their their annual Batman theme. Yeah, probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Like Batman, Catwoman. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I wish you could do a Two Face. <laughs> oh, what can't I do with wow. Two Face? <laughs> Interesting. That would be fascinating. I don't. I don't know, but like this, the franchise, like the late late eighties to mid nineties Batman era is just like fetish on display. It's really fascinating. It's really fascinating. So that's what I've got for this movie. It's um it's a different it was a different time. Uh, what is your worst line? 
Um, I damn near ran out of ink writing down worse lines. <laughs> like, oh my god, there's so many. I'll, I'll, I'll pick one, I'll let you do yours, and then we can do some honorable mentions. Um, but my worst line is the very first thing that Batman says in this movie. Oh boy. He's, he's standing next to the extension of his dick, which is his car, mm-hmm. and uh, Alfred says something to the effect of, like, don't you want to eat first? Mm-hmm. And the very first thing he says in this movie is, I'll get drive through. Yeah come the fuck sure sets the tone which actually is just occurring to me was probably in reference to the mcdonald's shit Um... was like okay mcdonald's you want to try to have weight over our movie then we'll just talk about dry i don't know here you go here you go mcdonald's (laughs) we're sorry we love you not just not a batman thing to say they were okay so i'm betting all right okay so thinking about the various elements of this film and how much of it was probably contractually obligated or defined by what was put in a contract by very intelligent agents at the time, somebody probably set this up to where the opening line of the movie would also be used in a McDonald's commercial. Oh, you're probably dead right about They're like, that. okay, it needs to be eight seconds long. What can we do that they can just lift and put in a McDonald's commercial? Yeah, Make that. that. Oh God, I hate that shit so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably exactly what would happen. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good worst line because, like I said, it sets the tone for the whole movie. Yeah, yeah it does. My worst line is uh, <laughs> Batman to Nicole Kidman saying, You trying to get under my cape, doctor? <laughs> <laughs> the whole sexual tension and relationship between batman and her Uh is it just is wrong it just doesn't feel right to me if you have a sexual tension between batman and catwoman that makes sense because they're both masked weirdos on rooftops i'm sorry the technical term is uh whack whack jobs yeah but but batman and (laughs) professional criminal psychologist who should be an upstanding member of society just doesn't marry to me anyways well she's independent <laughs> um what was your best line though well so let oh, me give you some honorable mentions okay. for for worst lines so there's obviously joygasm um, at one it. point uh uh jim carrey turns to camera and goes bummer um the holy rusted metal batman which i get is a callback to the 60s batman but it just is really shoehorned into this um there's also right before <laughs> right before robin is about to like uh go into the bat cave he's like watching the door and he's waiting for alfred and he goes now out loud to himself <laughs> <laughs> and then Nerd. um and then there's also uh where chase meridian asks batman do you have a first name or should i just call you bats his name is Batman. Like, what are you talking about? He's not going to give you his name. And also his name isn't Bats anyway. Why are you going to nickname him? <laughs> Just call him Batman like everyone else. <sighs> um, okay, my best line. Yeah. Um, mm, I'm going to... Uh, yeah. I'm just going to give it to Jim Carrey saying I'm Batman at the end because that's whenever you hear someone say I'm Batman, they're quoting Jim Carrey from this movie, mm-hmm. not Batman saying mm-hmm. it, right? So that line is iconic now mm-hmm. because yeah. of this movie. So I, I have to give it to that's that. It's like an obligation best line. Yeah, it's just... It just because just it's lived if the you, longest. If you have a line in your movie that turns out to be part of pop culture going forward, then it's the best line in the movie. Hasta la Vista is a stupid line, but it's the best line of that movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> for for the purposes of this podcast. Yeah. Right. Um, 
that's fair. That's fair. I didn't write down a best line because only Alfred could deliver a good line in this movie. <laughs> that's how I felt. Like only Alfred had the acting chops to deliver a fine piece of yeah. cinematic work. Alfred is a fine piece. <laughs> that's weird. This movie's gotten to you. <laughs> so I'm just awarding all of the best lines to uh, Alfred. Alfred in this movie. To Michael Goh. Yeah, all right. and that's it. Uh, who is your worst performance? Joel Schumacher. Moving on. My worst performance was Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. He, I hated his. I hated him being in this movie. I did. I did not care for it, and I don't want to remember him this way. <laughs> Um, so ne- next we have a new category, which is Show Stealer. This is only the second time we've had this award on this show. Please explain it to the listeners. Well, it's the person who is maybe not uh, um, billed very high in the cast, but goes out of their way to grab your attention. Like someone who just does everything they can to chew scenery and get your attention. Yep. Um, and for me, this time around, I wrote this person down, and then when I was doing the research, doing the trivia, I found out an additional piece of information that blew my fucking mind. Oh. So my show stealer is Gossip Gertie, who is the, yeah. like, over-the-top, um, like, I, she's like a columnist or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she's a gossip writer. Yeah, and she goes, she, she her lines are all huge. They're, they're like, she's like, oh my God, it's Bruce Wayne. Like she, she takes forever to say small things. She's mm-hmm. amazing in this movie. The actress's name is Elizabeth Sanders. And after I wrote down that she was my show stealer, I found out that she was married to Bob Kane, the creator of Batman. Whoa. Well, the co-creator of Batman. Right. So I was like, holy shit. Like that, that amplifies that role even more so weird yeah how meta yeah so strange. i'm giving my show stealer to gossip gertie Jeez, uh i'm that's pretty good i'm gonna give my show stealer to tommy lee jones <laughs> which is not a compliment <laughs> because he was trying so hard and you could tell yeah. and i hated it yeah he was trying really hard i did not like it i i thought about giving my show stealer to edward nigma's boss <laughs> because he, he enters the room and goes what the hell is going on here <laughs> <laughs> oh trash hot garbage okay <laughs> what's your most good bad moment it's, uh, and explain this to our listeners so the, mo- second time. the most good bad moment is the thing that you point out to someone and go the, the, here's the reason why this movie is is over the top why it's why it's so bad that it's good you cannot isolate one section of you this really movie. You really can't. You can't. You can't do it. Every second of this movie is a good bad moment. So, but the thing that I pulled out was the Jim Carrey and his boss moment. <laughs> that shit stands out above the rest of this movie as being the craziest part of this movie. Which imagine the ground that that covers. That's a lot. <laughs> imagine that the ground that that covers. <laughs> that covers a lot. I, I agree. There's not one part of this movie. That you can tell people, like, in this movie, this is what happens, therefore you got to see it. But mine would be the reference to the dick-shaped flapping wing Batmobile, <laughs> which shows up thrice in this movie. And it peels around a corner with its wings flapping. And it's a big, light-up, girthy dick. <laughs> and that's this movie. That's this movie to me. <laughs> that's my most good-bad moment. <laughs> um, what is your favorite part? 
Um, there actually is a lot of this movie that I like, like a lot of this movie that I like. Um, but I think it's the, I think it's the funeral flashback when he's explaining the origin of the Batcave itself and he's, he's at his parents' funeral and he runs out and he falls in a hole and he finds this huge cave and a bat comes flying at him and it like traumatizes him. These are all things that would show up in things that came after this in a much more dark, serious tones. Mm -hmm. But if if you watched just that scene, it is dark and serious and it's well acted and, and they really dive into Bruce Wayne's trauma, which I appreciate. It just doesn't marry with the rest of the movie, but that scene is really good, I thought. That reminds me... In this movie, there are so many scenes where Joel Joel Schumacher focuses on something with wind everywhere. Yeah, there's a lot of wind. Everything is windy. It's like a meatloaf music video. Everything's windy. (laughs) Like you look at someone's face, the wind is blowing. Like everything is so windy all the time. And this scene, especially in this, it was awake and it was indoors. Like it was in the mansion. And it's windy in there. Well, it's, it's his memory of it. I know, it's but his, it's windy. Like, yeah. It's windy. <laughs> why is it so windy? I don't even know why it's windy. Uh, it's really crazy. Anyway, um, my favorite part is uh, the bat butt close-up. <laughs> There's a lot of random close-ups for no reason, and that's that was the best part, bat butt close-up. <laughs> uh, I also want to give honorable mention to uh, Robin kung fu laundry for no fucking reason (laughs) no reason at all for that scene to exist well he's acrobatic you see (laughs) and he can fight so here's some laundry to show everyone uh his skills (laughs) uh um where are we at now are we at make it a good movie yeah we're at make it a good movie so what would you do to this film to make it a good movie instead of a good bad fucking hell like how much time do we have? Not much. Um, just <laughs> Not much. real quickly, make it a serious tone, get a different director, subtract Jim Carrey, and and also everything doesn't have to be rocket-powered. We could take out half the rockets. <laughs> rocket boots, rocket car, ro- fucking less rockets. Were there rocket boots? Everything was rocket-powered, yeah, but mostly yeah. different director. If you take the same script and give it to a better director, you get a better movie. Yeah. Mine's actually kind of similar. Mine is just remove 45 minutes of Jim Carrey ad-libs. Yep. Like, yep. He, he was running this show. He was at the stern of yeah. this boat. Um, next is another new category, which is biggest badass. Would you explain to the listeners what this means? It's the king of the mountain for our show going forward. Who is the biggest badass? Currently held by John Matrix from Commando. The conversation is... Who is the biggest badass in this movie, and are they a bigger badass than John Matrix? Than the biggest badass and all of the good bad to the sequel exactly. podcast so, history. I think I think it's pretty obvious Batman is the biggest badass in this movie. In this movie. Obviously, right? Now, is he a bigger badass than John Matrix? I say yes. And what? here's why. Whoa, okay. Carry on. I'm listening. Here's why. So we the reason that John Matrix is currently the champion is because he is carrying an entire country's worth of arms on him at all times. <laughs> and he is essentially Colossus from the X-Men. But Batman's Batman. And in this movie in particular, like I said, he's prepared 
for scenarios that he could not possibly have foreseen. Okay, that's fair. So it stands to reason that he would be prepared for Arnold Schwarzenegger from Commando and fuck him up just like he does everyone else in this movie. Wow. Wow. Agree or disagree? That's really heavy. Um, I can't disagree. Okay. Then I can't disagree. The new current biggest badass is Val Kilmer's Batman. Well, I have to I have to give this a point. Like I'll give you a point for this because he kills Two-Face in this movie. Yeah. He he actually kills him. He doesn't just like tie him up and hand him over he, to the cops. He kills a couple of people. Who else is he? Uh kill? he kills a couple of the guys that were in like uh you know what? I might be getting this mixed up with Justice League. He <laughs> at least kills one person. Which is also a very windy movie. <laughs> Like, you look at somebody, the camera comes on them, wind. It's yeah. just wind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm giving new biggest badass to Val Kilmer's Batman. And okay. I would also say uh, it is a fucking tall task for anyone coming down the line to take it this down. Wow. Because of the preparedness Batman factor. Even prepared little, two little spaces on his suit for his nipples. <laughs> that is preparation. That's not fetishizing anybody. That's yeah. just preparation. <laughs> Plan ahead. <laughs> okay, well, now you get to tell the audience, is this movie good, bad, or just bad? It's good, bad. Absolutely. It's, ob it's obviously good, bad. It's our wheelhouse. Uh, I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time. And I was expecting to dislike it. Oh. And I, I like it a lot. I just like it for different reasons than I did when I was 11. It just, I like it because it's good, bad. At the time, I was under the impression that it was good. Because if you well, like course. it, then it must be good, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, this is good, yeah, like bad. Catwoman. It's, yeah, it's really, <laughs> really good, bad. Did you, uh, did you think that we might have the same reaction to this movie as you did with Batman and Robin? How so? Like, I mean, Batman and Robin is known to be even more good bad. Batman and Robin is my favorite bad movie. I know. Like, and nothing else is even really even close. <laughs> I know. Uh, so, no, I, I knew that it wasn't that cheese, that that corny, and, but I expected to dislike it because mm -hmm. I thought it was trapped between... I thought it was worse. I just thought it was like, a, I didn't realize it was so fun still. And there's a, there's a lot of scenes that really hold up. Yeah. That are like legitimately good. I didn't realize that Val Kilmer was a really good Batman. Yeah. That's totally forgotten. Oh, another, uh, one last thing, one last trivia. Uh, Val Kilmer and Joel Schumacher, like I said, did not like each other. And Joel Schumacher said that Val Kilmer did uh, him two favors. One was signing on to be Batman uh -huh. and two was promising to never be Batman again. That's amazing. <laughs> and, um, and then Val Kilmer said that um, he was, he took this role uh, that he never should have had because he hadn't been in enough movies. And then subsequently, because he did it, got more roles because he had done it. Mm -hmm. And he said that Hollywood doesn't choose who's going to be in their movies based on if they're right for the part or not. <laughs> it's just that he was Batman. Right. <laughs> so, wow. Okay. So he was only the Batman the one time and it worked out for everybody. That agent raised their commission. Yeah, it worked out for everybody. <laughs> that agent's like, I get 70%. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. Next week needs to be addressed we might release an episode on a different day i'm not entirely sure 
what's going to happen here. So go follow us at the Good Bad Show for any uh, on Instagram up, on, on Instagram for any updates. But here's what's going to happen: there's Whoa. not going to be a vote next week. <laughs> we are going to do Godzilla versus King Kong <laughs> if it fucking kills me. We are in the middle of a move. Our house is filled with boxes at the moment. We're we're quite busy with other things, but I promise you we will do Godzilla versus King Kong if we have to stay up till fucking midnight two days in a row to do it uh, <laughs> and release the episode at 2 a.m. on a Wednesday. Like we we will get it out. Y'all better listen. But that will be our last episode for a week or maybe two as we drive halfway across the country to our new house. So follow us at The Good Bad Show so you don't miss any updates about what's going on. And uh, let's all do our research and watch Godzilla vs. King Kong together and make this a big community event of good, bad, fucking epic proportions. Wow, that's uh, that's a tall order. God damn it. <laughs> Godzilla pun. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Bye. Peace.